Are you amazed when people drive their vehicles for over 250,000 miles? How often should you change your engine oil? What techniques can improve your mileage? Would an expensive fuel injection cleaning improve your engine performance? This is Car Guy with Brett Beechler at Beechler's Vehicle Care and Repair. Find out how to substantially reduce your cost per mile and extend the longevity of your vehicles. Welcome to Car Guy with Brett Beechler on PeoriaLife.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of The Car Guy on PeoriaLife.com. My name is Greg McCoy, and I'm here with the uh, host of the show, the hero of the show, Brett Beachler. How you doing, Brett? Good morning, Greg. I'm doing just fantastic. Yourself? I'm just doing wonderful. Well, almost wonderful. We're babysitting our daughter's dog, and unfortunately it Oop. got me up at 2.30 this morning to go out, so... Oh, somebody's going to need a nap today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, we have an interesting show planned today, but first we want to talk just a brief minute about uh, your recent trip. You took a trip, right? Yes, I did. And, um, you, and you took a trip not on a plane, train, or, or uh, airplane. It but... was a non-motorized trip that I took with my daughter. Um, it, it was basically built off of a trip that my dad and I took when I was her age, um, in between seventh and eighth grade year. And we rode our bicycles to Wisconsin. I always had a dream to do it with my daughter. Planted the seed a couple of years ago. Planted the seed again this year. She said a resounding yes, let's do it. Um, had to train for it. But then we had this idea of doing a fundraiser uh, to help with Dream Center Mission Peoria, which is a week-long event that occurs at the end of July. And it's for um, children from the age of 12 to 17. Uh, essentially, what they do is they go out and serve the lesser fortunate uh, parts of Peoria and the, and the folks that are in there. And uh, it's a really, really cool week. She went for the first time last year and just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, it's good perspective for kids, I think. Um, Dream Center is not the most heavily funded um, location in Peoria in terms of how they serve Peoria and what they do for them. So we just had this idea that, hey, let's do this ride. It was a, it ended up being a 357-mile bike, bike ride. It took us five days. Um, that was through, a round trip. It was one way. One way. Um, my wife kindly picked us up in Green Bay when after we arrived oh. there, and I have family up there. So, so you limped out, and you didn't uh, ride back. I thought about riding back, but I had to get back to work. I had stuff I had to get done, so um, um, I opted not to. But my daughter stayed up there with family, and and they have kids. So, but anyway, uh, we still have funds rolling in. Um, I put it on my Facebook. Um, I spread it on uh, email lists throughout all my email contacts. But if anybody wants to donate to it. Um, they're welcome to go to the Dream Center's donation page and just put in their, you know, Beachler's bicycle trip, and they can uh, we raise funds that way. So, so um, to summarize, what is the Dream Center in one minute or less? Dream Center is a facility in Peoria that serves. Um, you know, one of the th things they do is they they actually house um, abused mothers and wives um, and their children there too. So they're they're pretty uh, in constant need of items like that so there's other things they provide um you know items for people that don't have the income they've got a little store that they raise money and then they're they're able to give back to the community in that way um, but it's downtown it's basically right next to riverside church um i heard about it through a gentleman by the name of matt larson he kind of piqued my interest and former pastor andy king piqued my interest um and it's just serves really well uh for the less fortunate in peoria so um, I got a little bit of a passion for that, and my daughter especially because she's tasted it, you know, 
front on for a week last year and going to do it again this year. So, but it's again, it's the last week of July, Mission Peoria. So, if anybody on the radio has any kids that want to do this, I, I think there's still time to sign up for it. But it's a uh, what age? Very eye opening. Ages 12 to 17. So, I think basically middle, upper middle school to through high school. So, it's a it's a great time, great time. So, yeah, right. we had a good time, and I didn't fall apart. Um, in the older age. So good. I was, it was good. We had a blast and just memories that were made that, um, yeah, always be seared in our, in our brains and our thoughts. Well, so. good deal. Good deal. So. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about vehicles with high maintenance costs. Yeah. You heard so, it here first. Yes. You're going to hear it here first. Um, you know, for years I've had customers come to me and, and my advisors and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to buy a car. What should I buy? And we, we kind of have a gut feeling on vehicles and what to avoid uh, because we see the repairs and maintenance that go into some of these vehicles. And I always wanted something concrete to go to. I always wanted something that I could go, okay, here, read this article. So this article popped up the other day. Actually, my dad shared it with me and I'm like, wow, I've got to share this on my blog. I've got to share this on the radio show because it's really important information. Essentially what it does, it helps you if you make some of the right decisions that helps you keep your hard-earned money where it's supposed to be and not necessarily in your vehicle. Because you and I have talked, Greg, about how expensive cars are to uh, maintain and operate over 50 years' time. You know, the magic number is about $440,000. Start to finish, not necessarily the same car, of course, but having different cars throughout the years. And that is a lot of money. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's a lot of money to me. That's if you do it right? Or if that's what the average. That's on average. That's, average. that's on average. And there are ways to reduce those expenses by keeping cars longer um, and making the right choices on the cars that you purchase, which is basically what the topic is today. So I'm going to kind of go through some some facts that I pulled from this article. Um, you can also go to our website, beachlords.com, and I've got a blog in there um, that I've recently started. And I, I included this article inside the blog, so you're welcome to go in there and read it for yourself. Because sometimes when I get information like this on the radio, I, I go, okay, that's great, but let me just sit down in my quiet time and read it and let my brain process this. So this is going to basically pique your interest on these vehicles out here. And I will get specific. You know, I'm, if I offend you as one of these owners, I'm, that's not my intention. My intention is to educate people on the expense of vehicles. So You won't, you won't get sued by mentioning... No, I, uh, I will not get sued because this is public information. So... Um, Interesting fact, on average, we spend 5% of our income on the purchasing of a vehicle, another 5% maintaining a vehicle. So 10% of our income, generally speaking, goes to a car. So people think, well, that's not a lot of money, but that, that's a lot of money over time. It or, adds or up. Or truck. Or truck. Car or truck or SUV. Um, there are some vehicles that cost more than others. So where I got this article was a um, website called priceonomics.com. Okay. They extracted their information from a website called yourmechanic.com. So they basically analyzed two data sets in this in this article. They wanted to they wanted to see what the highest maintenance costs vehicles were, basically the vehicles that cost the most in maintenance. And I've got a spreadsheet that I developed to help people understand um, how much their car is going to cost over time. I literally take it out, I think, two hundred or two hundred fifty thousand miles, and plug these numbers in. And it gives them a cost per mile. Because we at Beachlers and I pound this into the ground, we're big on the expense ratio, cost per mile on a car. That's the really big aspect people need to look at. Uh, the second data set they looked at was um, they're breaking down analytic, analytics, analytics of the vehicles. So, major brands were studied over the first ten years. So interestingly enough, and I knew a couple of these without even reading the article, 
I knew a couple of these were going to be top on the list. Um, again, not meaning to offend anybody, but here's here's where it goes. Top of the list, BMW. Average cost over 10 years, about $17,800. Okay. They're European cars. They're they're phenom- phenomenally designed vehicles. There's no doubt about it. Um, the ride, the comfort, the quiet um, decibel level inside the cars is typically phenomenal. Um, but the average person probably should avoid buying a BMW. Next on the list is a Mercedes-Benz at $12,900. Hmm. So, you know, people sit there and say... Now, does that does that include both the cost of routine maintenance, like oil changes, new muffler, blah, 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 plus breakdown kind of stuff? This includes just the maintenance over 10 years' time. Just the maintenance. Just the maintenance. So this is not if something goes wrong, like yes. you got to replace the water pump or yes. you got to whatever. Yes, yes. Hmm. So. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of money. <laughs> um, you know, the third on the list was Cadillac at $12,500. Wow. They're awesome vehicles. I mean, very well-designed vehicles. But I've seen these numbers come through, um, you know, on tickets through our place and thousands of cars that we've serviced. And I, I always look at Cadillac and say, hey, if you want to spend more on a car per mile, then buy a Cadillac, why, buy a Mercedes. Why do these three models, why does it cost so much? Is it because of parts or is um, It's a combination of things. In my opinion, it's a combination of things. You know, you take an, an oil change on a, you know, like an oil change on your truck, right? Typically $39 plus, I think it's maybe an extra quarter oil. So you walk out the door with $45 oil change. You know, you take a you take a BMW and it's a hundred dollar oil change. They've got to use synthetic. They typically have extra capacity. You know, I'm, I'm good friends with the guys down at Calvin Meyer, and um, you know they that's their business models built off of European vehicles, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're serving a, a specific demographic and clientele to service their vehicles properly. For those who don't know, who is that? Calvin Meyer is basically. I I always joke with them. I always say you're you're the you're the the European specialist, the European Beachler specialist in town. They're an independent shop uh, down off Main Street. They do a f- f- fantastic job. You know the things that we don't do on certain European vehicles, we send down to them because the typically European equipment to analyze vehicles and things like that is more expensive. The software is more expensive. That's all there is to it, and all that does is it adds to the bottom line of the consumer. It doesn't add to the business and their expenses. The business just simply passes that stuff on. So um, I'm not saying don't buy these cars, but I want people to go in eyes wide open to say, okay, if you buy these cars, please don't complain about the the expense of the maintenance because they're going to be more expensive to operate, period. So, and the quality is there. There's no doubt about it. They're, they're good quality cars, but cost per mile is going to be more per vehicle. Now, does this then include things like new tires, a new muffler every 100,000 miles? Not that the article indicated. Hmm. Um, it was maintenance cost alone. So, wow. you know, tires on average, they're, they're going to be about the same, maybe a tick more because it all depends upon the profile of the tires, the width of the tires, uh, circumference, all, the, all of that ties into how much tires are and the expense of them. You know, we've gone through radio shows where we talk about tires and the percentage of expense on tires is pretty low. Typically, it's about a penny to two pennies per mile on tires, what it takes to operate. You know, you get a car like a Corvette, it, that bumps up to, you know, 50 cents a mile because those tires are really expensive and they don't last very long. So, but typically tires are not the most expensive part of cars, believe it or not. They're high expense when you do them every 60,000 miles, but they're not the most expensive part of the car. So, so the, the bottom of the list, and I, I call this the bottom of the list, but I, I say it's also good. This is a good part of the list. Believe it or not, the, the best three are all Toyota models. 
Okay. And I've said this from a gut feeling for years and I'm not pro Toyota. I don't own a Toyota. I own a Nissan and, and a Dodge. Um, but Toyotas generally speaking are a lower expense structure on the maintenance costs of these vehicles. You know, typical Toyota, you go approximately 7,500 miles between oil changes, for example. Um, you know, the, the, the top three, the lowest one is a Toyota at 5,500. Uh, the next lowest is Scion at $6,400 over that 10 years time, 10 years time on maintenance costs. And the Lexus, which is a luxury Toyota, let's all face it, that's what it is, is $7,000 over 10 years time. So, you know, if somebody's looking to minimize expenses on vehicles, that's the direction that we kind of corral people. I'm not saying we ship them all, all out to Toyota, but generally speaking, Asian cars are lower. Um, and I've got the entire list on my website with that blog. So you can go through it if you're interested in purchasing a car. I, I, I definitely go through it because I'll, I'll break down into um, I'll break down into specific models here in just a minute um, and go through them. And some of them will surprise you. Believe it or not, some of these specific models will surprise you because you would think some of these would be on the lower end, but they're they're not on the lower end. So, but interestingly, in in the middle of this pack are Ford and Dodge. Um, they're not super expensive, but they're not uh, super inexpensive like the Toyotas Toyota models are. So, uh, something to kind of watch for. Um, you know, and Kia is a, a great car. Kia is a great car. Um, they've really improved the the quality of their vehicle, but the sticker price is generally speaking lower, but believe it or not, they're in the middle of the pack at around, right around $8,800 to operate that car, just the maintenance alone over 10 years time. So something to look out for, you know, people say, oh, I'm going to go with Kia. They're less expensive, but in the long run, you're going to pay more on average for, for expenses, maintenance expenses on the vehicle. So question, did you have a question? You look like you're processing. You're always processing. I think okay. I answered my question, but, uh, number, uh, you mentioned Ford and Dodge in the middle of the pack. Yes. I'll, Ford and Dodge are real heavy on pickups. Correct. So this is a mix of pickups and yes. cars. Yes. Yes. It is a mix between the two. So so let's get down to the specific maintenance costs over 10 years. The highest costs on specific models. The top one, and I've never been a fan of this car because I see the repair ratio that goes on these things, on these vehicles. Chrysler Sebring. Hmm. $17,000. I know somebody that owns one. Yeah. $17,000 over 10 years time. Now, why do you think Chrysler discontinued that in 2010. Um, basically, it's it's a high expense ratio on these cars. And what happens is you start seeing these high expense ratios and cars breaking all the time. Um, people stop buying these models and next thing you know, it goes away. So this is where I say it's super important to have a good quality coming off that production line because people in the long run will learn this information and know which cars to avoid. Okay. The next highest, BMW 328i. I know it's a cool car, fun car to drive, four-door performance. I've never been in one. But. Um, they handle really well. Um, the interior is kind of like, it's basically BMW's entry-level sedan is what it is. Uh, $15,600. Wow. So that's a chunk of change over 10 years' time. So um, next on the list, Nissan Murano. I was surprised because Nissans are good vehicles, um, but the maintenance cost over 10 years' time is almost $15,000 on these vehicles. So something to look out for, um, you know, next on the list is again, a European car, same expenses, a Nissan Murano is a Mercedes Benz. Um, and uh, that one was, I'm sorry about the model. I didn't have that on there. It is an E350 Mercedes Benz E350. And believe it or not, number five on the list, almost as expensive as a Mercedes Benz is a Chevy Cobalt. 
Chevy, I'm not even sure what that is. Well, basically that's Chevy Cobalt's um, entry-level sedan hmm. is what it is. Chevy Cobalt is uh, uh, Chevy's entry-level sedan. And I, from a gut standpoint, I would think that would be a lower expense ratio, but that is actually not the case. Hmm. So I can't explain these numbers, but I just know these are facts that came from the yearmechanic.com study. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them for uh, purposes for yourself, Greg, is a Ram 1500 on there, number six on the list. Mm. So something to look out for, but um, you don't drive yours a tremendous amount of miles. But mm-hmm. um, So the list goes on and on and on. Audi's in there with an A4 Quattro. Mazda 6 is in there. Uh, Subaru Forester, which gut feeling, we've always said Subarus are great cars. Yeah. Um, but cost per mile, generally my customers spend a little bit more hmm. on them on average. Um, they have improved their quality because they, Subarus by and far in the past had had issues with what they call head gaskets. And I know it sounds simple, but it's actually a pretty complex replacement. Basically, the top side of the engine comes off of the block of the engine. And you have to replace a head gasket. And with that stated, they're generally not under $1,000 to do a head gasket on Subarus. Um, I have a friend out in Colorado that specifically works on Subarus only. Mm. And he's got a shop that's like 20, 22 base shop, and that's all they do. Uh, but Subarus are really big out west. It's close to Boulder, Colorado. And, um, but they're, they're higher expense ratios. They're higher cost per mile to work on. So um, he's able to he's able to capitalize on that. So um, in, a, in a nice way of putting it. Uh, next on the list is an Acura TL at right around twelve thousand dollars. That basically is an Acura is a luxury Honda is what it is. I don't know if people know that, but that's what it is. Uh, next below that is a Nissan Maxima, right about the same expense structure. Next on that is a Chrysler three hundred. Um, I. I I could tell you from a gut standpoint, yes, that's a higher expense ratio than the average vehicle. Uh, below that is Ford Mustang. Um, Audi is on there again with an A4. Volkswagen's on there with a Passat. Um, believe it or not, Ford Focus is on there on that, the list. Of the that top. is surprising. That is surprising. Um, you know, another surprising one is the Chevy Impala because generally we view those as very reliable cars. A lot of our customers over two hundred thousand, some over two fifty on them. Um, my anecdotal evidence doesn't necessarily support this, but this is a bigger, um, testing grounds that they're doing too. So bigger sample size, bigger sample size. Um, next on the list is a Honda pilot. Um, that's, uh, Honda's larger SUV. Uh, it's typically an all wheel drive vehicle. A lot of fluid changes on the Hondas. Lots of them. All wheel drive gets transfer case. They get front and rear differentials, um, transmission fluid coolant. Uh, those are pretty common on most vehicles. Um, but and they and they change those fluids frequently. It's not like they go a hundred thousand miles. You'll typically see Honda pilots change the fluid about every thirty thousand miles. Some even fifteen thousand miles on the little bit older vehicles. Really? So yeah, it's it's to me it's a little aggressive. But I'm not the brainiac engineer that put these cars together that knows what's going on inside these um, these transfer cases and and differentials. So um, we we trust the engineers and what they say. They're not salesmen. They're they're there to help prolong the life of these components. We hope. We hope. Yep. And generally speaking, I, I believe I've got to trust and believe that they do. So um, you don't believe in planned obsolescence on the part of the car company? I, I don't. I don't believe in that. Um, you know, you look at it. You take this Chrysler Sebring on the top of the list. I mean, this is what happens when you build a car that is not reliable and it has high maintenance costs. It just went away. Now, some people are able, able to market themselves out of that. You know, you look at the BMW 328, that's been around for years. And people are still willing to pay those expense structures on vehicles because, A, it's a luxury car and it's a performance car. Um, and some people like that that BMW status 
you know, that they're driving around in. That, and that's okay. Everybody's got their free will choice. I suppose if you're uh, wealthy enough to afford one of these, you yes. maybe don't care. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's like Dave Ramsey said, it's, it's all about percentage of income. And that's where people forget, you know, the guy that's making a million dollars a year goes out and buy a, buys a car that's 5% of his income versus a guy that's making $20,000 a year that buys a car that's 5%. It's, a, it's a, just a percentage game. So I don't I don't look negatively on people that buy these luxury vehicles as long as you know they fall in the stipulation of five percent a year. That's generally what um, people are looking at in terms of what they want to invest in cars. But those percentages are going to vary by income too. I mean, the guy that is, is making a million dollars a year, he's not spending five percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the guy that's spending making twenty thousand a year is spending more than that. Yep. Percentage, that's exactly percentage right. wise. And and there are cars out there for guys like that. You know, there's. There's decent two three thousand dollar used vehicles that they can they can run for a few years, um, and get their money's worth out of them too. So, I don't buy into this, you know, people making twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year going out to buy a brand new car. I think they're going to be in the hole if they have that philosophy. They're going to be in the hole the rest of their life. You know, it's like one of my techs said to me one time, Brett. There's a there's a part of the population that believes they're going to have a car payment the rest of their life. They don't think any any other way. They think that way, and. I'm not necessarily going to change that, but if I can change a few of them and change their philosophy so they don't have to live in that hole of payments for the rest of their life, hey, I did my job. I did my job. So um, last on the list is a Mini Cooper. Um, we got a few customers with Mini Coopers, but when they walk out the door with a $120 oil change, you feel bad, but then again, you don't <laughs> because that's what they are. That's It's a Mini Cooper. It's a derivative of BMW. And um, there you have it. There's your expense structure on that. So um, next stop on the list is specific models, maintenance costs over 10 years, the lowest costs, believe it or not, I'm not big on hybrids. The <laughs> lowest one out there is a Toyota Prius, $4,300 over 10 years time. Hmm. Um, and I, I, I believe it because I know Toyota's, you know, one of the things they do is 120,000 miles on spark plugs. Okay. They do a hundred thousand miles on coolant. Transmission fluid is changed on inspect only. They don't have mileage intervals. So you might change it every 30,000. You might change it every 100,000. All depends on when that color turns brown on Toyotas. So other than that, there's really not much to do to Toyotas. They're very low maintenance vehicles. Does that does this specific model have anything to do with the fact that it is a Prius, a part electric? You know, I, I, it- I, I can't necessarily tell you because they're still specifying to change oil every 7,500 miles on a Prius. Um you know, I think they've got a low oil capacity on those, maybe four quarts, three and a half, three point seven five, something, something along those lines. Um, but I don't necessarily think that's a direct correlation, being that it's got a battery underneath there. However, when the battery does fail, which it doesn't have, it's not going to fail in fifty thousand miles. Typically, we're seeing these things get a hundred, hundred fifty thousand miles out of them. It's generally about a four to six thousand dollar battery replacement. That's why we we don't view hybrids as the the end all. That's not included in this. Uh, that's not included in this expense, <laughs> this maintenance expense yeah. structure. Correct. Yeah. So next lowest on the list is a Kia Soul, um, $4,700. Mm. Um, I got a couple of friends that drive Kia Souls and they don't spend a lot on maintenance. That's a good thing. Next up, Toyota Camry. Hmm. Another Toyota. Um, next up is a Honda Fit. My dad drives a Honda Fit and absolutely loves it. Um, he uses full synthetic, changes oil every 10,000 miles and does very, very little. Um, Honda's got a lot of stuff figured out when it comes to maintenance structures on vehicles. So it just, just runs, huh? It just runs. It's just a very durable vehicle. So, uh, interesting. A couple more topics on this. Unusual vehicle issues. This is why Mercury went, one of the reasons why Mercury went away. They have a fuel pump failure 28 times the average fuel pump failure in cars. And we've seen it personally. 
replacement of fuel pumps. And they're not $50 replacements. They're typically four to $600 replacements on vehicles. Um, so these are, this is one of these lists of try to avoid these vehicles. Folks, if you're out there <laughs> buying a used vehicle, try to avoid the mercury end of it. Okay. Next on the list, Chrysler's got a notorious problem for what they call exhaust, exhaust gas recirculation valves. They call them EGR valves for short. 24 times the failure rate That's of amazing. an average vehicle. That's amazing. It, it is amazing. Infinity. Um, that is a luxury Nissan camshaft position sensor, which basically is involved in the timing of the engine. 21 times the failure rate of an average vehicle. Um, Cadillac, we've seen this ourselves. Intake manifold gasket. Basically, there's an intake on top of the engine. The gasket fails. There's expansion and contraction that goes on through throughout the life of the vehicle, and those gaskets just simply fail. 18 times the average car failure. That's hard to believe. You would think that the engineers would jump in there and resolve that. Obviously, it other models have resolved it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why don't, why don't they? I, yeah, I, I can't give you that answer. I wish I could. So another one, another interesting uh, shoot off here. Brands most likely not to start. <laughs> Hummer, nine times the average vehicle. Hummer. Mercury, six times the average vehicle. Chrysler, six times. Saturn, six times. Dodge, five times. You know, you, I, I'm not saying to avoid these vehicles, but I want you to know that these numbers are out there. Okay, when you go to buy a car like this, just be very aware. You know, it's interestingly, most of these cars on this list, I, I wouldn't buy myself. Just from an anecdotal gut feeling of seeing cars for 20 years and their failures. Um, and you know me, I'd never buy a new car ever unless I was retired and percentage of income and all that stuff. But I've got kids right now, so it makes a big difference. So you wouldn't buy a Mitsubishi? I would not buy a Mitsubishi. On the list here? No, I wouldn't. Hmm. No, I wouldn't. Interesting. I've... I've Always, you know, the other thing I look at is um, the maintenance costs on these cars, and they they tend to be higher than what we see in our industry. Um, so I, I'm not big on Mitsubishi's. Not big, just in the failure rate I've seen on other things on those. I have to say, I've had two in my life, and they both been really good cars. Yeah, so. and I've I've known people that have had really good good fortune with them. So yeah, um, most models most likely not to start Hyundai Tiburon. They no longer make this vehicle. 26 times less likely to start than the average vehicle. Who would buy a car named Tiburon? I, mean, I, just, I don't know. It's kind of a unique name, but yeah. they, they, they come up with them. Um, Dodge Caravan, believe it or not. I've got one of these. And I, I don't <laughs> know if I've ever had an issue with it starting, but it says 26 times uh, the average uh, no start problem. That, that includes no crank issues and also cranking and not starting. So and the no crank typically deals with starters, batteries. The cranking but not firing up, I, as we try to say in layman's terms in our business, typically deals deals with fuel systems and ignition systems, the things that cause the spark and the things that feed the fuel into the engine. Um, you know, my Dodge Caravan, I replaced my fuel pump just as a preventative maintenance deal at about 160,000 miles just because I, I thought it was a good idea because we, we use a van to travel. Um, so maybe that's why I haven't dealt with the cranks yeah. and not start issue. So, yeah. Um, so the list goes on and on and on. Cadillac's in there. Chrysler C brings in there. Discontinued. The Hummer H3 is in there 11 times. Discontinued. Um, so I, again, I encourage people to get on my website, go to my blog, read this article. It'll take you five minutes to read it. Maybe even print it out. Um, you'll, you'll know what to look for when you're out there shopping for cars and it'll help, um, help you with the guidance of what to look for, what not to look for on vehicles. So vehicle maintenance is much more than the average cost. Factors such as how well a vehicle is maintained, how often it is driven, 
where the vehicle is driven. How hard is the vehicle driven? You know, I had a, a friend of mine, customer, called me yesterday. He's looking for a car for his mom and dad. And interestingly, he's looking for a, a caravan, a newer caravan for his mom and dad. Um, and he went to a dealer and name unspecified, and the, they hadn't had a chance to clean the vehicle up. And the car was absolutely filthy on the inside. Low mileage, 36000 on a 2012, you know, decent price. But he said they cleaned the outside, but not the inside yet. And it was just like somebody trashed it. You know, and I said to my friend, I said, look, I said, here's the deal. I'm a gut feeling kind of guy. If somebody had a brand new vehicle for the last three or four years and treated it like that on the interior, how did they treat how they drove it, which is on this part of the list, how they treat how they maintained it, how did they treat the, the overall vehicle? How, how did they drive this thing? Did they drive it like it was a race car? Do they have three or four kids back there screaming and yelling? And I said, you know, I'd probably avoid it if Th- I were you. 36,000 miles, did they ever change the oil? I would <laughs> I would hope they did something along those lines. But, uh, you, know, you know, a lot of these things are indicators on vehicles. That's why I'm a little leery when people detail and clean cars because you don't really have a good history on vehicles. So, um, but... Uh, you can tell that kind of stuff. So anyway, just food for thought. I want everybody, you know, if they have any questions, comments, anything, they can go to my website. They can send me an email. Um, but I, I encourage everybody to look at this information. It will help them in the long run, reduce right. their expenses. Great information. I, I would guess a very, very small percentage of the buying public even thinks about this stuff when they buy a car. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. I can't tell you how many times I've had people come in the door and say, oops, didn't even think about that. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you should think about it. All right. Okay. Well, we've uh, done it again. Another half hour's gone by talking about interesting stuff here. This is really, really information, good information here. So thanks, Brett. You're welcome. And uh, thank you, everybody out there, for joining us on The Car Guy and PeoriaLife.com. We'll see you next time. PeoriaLife.com.